What up, fanboys and fangirls? Welcome to another edition of Talking Pop with the Franchise and Biko. It's the podcast and all things pop culture. I'm your illustrious host, the Franchise, and of course, joining me, my co-host, Biko. What's up, guys? Um, today, like I said, we're keeping our trend of the top 25 list. So last week we did uh, Xbox exclusives. And this week, we decided to do PlayStation. So we're going to keep this 25 trending. Because honestly, right now, what's going on in the news is nothing but, you know, COVID-19, live movies getting pushed back to next year. Not much going on. I mean, even comic books are being delayed as well for releases as well. So we decided, oh, you know what? Let's take some time to do some 25 top 10 lists, 25 lists. So we did Xbox this week. We're going to do PlayStation. Who knows what we'll do next week? So let's get going with this list. Um, pretty much, I try to go between, you know... The series in general, so it kind of transcends between the you know PS1, PS2, PS3, and PS4. And pretty much we'll give our, like I said, we'll I'll list it and we'll give our opinions on the series or any memories we have with that particular one. Like I said, this is all based on memories or, you know, based on reviews or demos or gameplay videos that we've seen of the game itself. So, before we do, we're going to start with number 25, which is Spiral the Dragon. I mean... What can I say about this series? It's one of the first like title launch titles for PlayStation in general, and it's always been a PlayStation exclusive until you know later on when Xbox was released, and you know they start you know releasing other consoles as well with the other generations. Of course, you had that Skylander series as well. But um, for me, Spider was not bad because it was like you know it was about a little dragon, uh, and people don't realize um it was one of the first games for PlayStation that had like voice acting in it as well. I mean, at time, it was one of the games put on a CD. You know, CDs can hold that much audio in it. I mean, memory was kind of higher than a cartridge. Um, but uh, if people don't realize that the voice of Spider was done by um, Carlos Azariki, who you know as Rocco from Rocker's Modern Life. He also was in Reno 911. Great voice actor, but he was the voice of Spyro in the beginning. Um, Biko, do you have any memories of the Spyro the Dragon series? Um, I, I mainly played it on demos because uh, Crash Bandicoot is... Uh, or had the popularity of that type of style of gaming uh, in a sense that follows suits of Mario and Link when they got their transition to the 3D polygon world of the 90s and um, with PlayStation they kind of tried to stray away from that type of typecast character but they spread it out more with using different animals so instead of using the Bandicoot they went with Spyro. Um, but his worlds were a little more immersive because it was more open world. And I think that was the first time I got to do open world type of platforming that wasn't on N64. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, to the likes of Mario or, or uh, A Link to the Power or Ocarina of Time. So, and with the different abilities and then with PlayStation using the dual analog sticks, I think that made it bigger too because you were able to control the camera a little better than the other, than the N64. And PlayStation, I think, always had that advantage that it was more of a... a it, 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 they always marketed towards a different type of gamer, considering that PlayStation made a... I think they had a lot more launch titles that didn't only solely rely on one character, so I think that's what helped them. And I think Spyro... I played on the demo, and the demo disc at that time was even better, because you were, you were able to play two levels on Spyro. I think it was like the first large one one level, and then the second level, you only played like a little bit of it. But for a demo disc, having three different games and Spyro being one of them, and, it, and it's an open world platformer, I think it was big. Uh, and then, as you can see, we got a remaster within, I think, the past last, I think last year's when it came out. 
they had a remaster of the first two games. Uh, and they played just as well as they did with the Crash Bandicoot uh, remaster of all three opening games, including Nitro Racing, Nitro Kart Racing. Um, but Spyro was, I think, I played it less than Crash Bandicoot, but I've always liked it. Because uh, it's it's an enjoyable game, and you can run around as a purple dinosaur that breathes fire and flies. It's fucking awesome. A dragon. Fuck. <laughs> uh, and we'll probably see. Hopefully, we'll see a new whole new Spyro game on the next gen console. Um, I think it's something that it'd be nice to show the new gen, the newer generation of gamers that Spyro should be. I think something that has a longevity. But yeah, um, good things to say about Spyro. Okay, they actually, and then you did mention Crash Bandicoot because I actually had him as number 24. Oh, okay. I mean, that was one of the games I like. I mean, you know, it was like Sony, I mean, Naughty Dog. It was developed by Naughty Dog, of course, if you remember Naughty Dog, they're still around. Um, it, the, you know, PlayStation was, I remember the marketing campaign for this series because it was like PlayStation was trying to find, I would say, a mascot to rival Sonic and Mario. When the first PlayStation launched, because remember, you know, this was one of the launch titles for PlayStation 1. Because remember, you know, this all started, you know, originally Nintendo and PlayStation were, you know, doing a collaboration with the Nintendo PlayStation, which was a combination of an SNES, a Super Famicom, they were trying with, with to a be, CD. They were trying to work together instead of be competitors. But, and of course, they had a falling out. And Capitalism, guys. <laughs> they had a falling out, of course, you know, Sony just said, you know what, um, since we already started working as these... Just keep it going, and they released the PlayStation. Of course, you know, Crash Bandicoot was one of the launch titles. Of course, they, um, Sony at that time, their their studios weren't that big at that time, and their interactive studio was still in the beginning. So they outsourced to other like development studios, and of course, they approached Naughty Dog to develop a character. And of course, they came out with Crash Bandicoot, which honestly, it's a platformer similar to Mario, but he was trying to have that same attitude as Sonic. I remember the commercials, man. <laughs> there was a guy wearing the bed, like he was doing commercials, and it was like the crash uh, outside of a gaming store with a bullhorn saying hey don't buy these games buy my game don't buy sonic don't buy mario he said it was like one of those anti-mario anti-sonic campaigns um of course you know the whole series is you know crash you know wants to help people it's dr neocortex is the, the main villain and it's like it's got the different powers i remember the tiki mask was like your invincibility and of course you had to watch out for the tnt the or level not, layouts were different. Yeah. They were all different. The game was different when it came out. It, it just set a different trend. The trail running. It's like the original Temple Run. I yeah. There were the some levels where you had to do it. There wouldn't be anything with that, like that without Crash Bandicoot, I think. Because a lot of that stuff, cause the way it would switch to a, a vertical running screen to a horizontal regular you know, 2D platform. Yeah. and But was still having 3D rendered graphics. Uh, the Apple collecting. Like, it still stayed true to what a Bandicoot comes from, uh, from the native land of New Zealand. But, uh, he was different, and then we would have that crazy robot scientist guy, which expanded. And then it was nice to see Crash get his own little thing of, they expanded to racing, um, and then they expanded to party games. Uh, then add more characters to yeah, the whole thing. to his lore, and, and I'm surprised we haven't seen him get thrown onto Smash Brothers yet. Because hey, they're just fucking letting anything in nowadays. So I'm surprised they ha we haven't got Crash thrown in there. I think it's because I think Crash is still... I mean, I, I believe Crash is now on Xbox, right? I believe. Mm -hmm. But I think, I don't know, it's because of the rights and stuff. And it's like, it's nah, it's all about, you they, know, publishing rights. I think it's what it bullshit, is. Yeah. Come on. They can, I, they can do it. They just don't. They just, they rather get... 
It, it's they told that line between wanting to get throw new faces in there mm-hmm. to bring more awareness because that's what Nintendo does. They throw they throw Smash Brother characters in there just so they can different ones just so they can bring awareness to other properties that are they develop because it doesn't get as much popular as Mario. But that's not what this thing is. But uh, yeah, Crash I think it's on there on that list of one of the top. Uh, what, do you, what would you call it? Spokes game mascots, I guess you could say. Uh, so, I mean, he oh, was technically system. not a video game mascot, but he was tr- supposed to be Sony's me, uh, so-called been. mascot. But like I said, it it like times change, you know. Like I said, Sony was at that time, you know, they were barely getting to the video game market. They were just known as just making electronics, and you know, they had like yeah entertainment, but it was mostly like this was like their first foray into it. Uh, number twenty three, I have Medieval. Mm. I know the re- I like it. I'm talking about the original one because I know the original one the controls were kinda of clunky the camera. That's the one thing was the camera was kinda of peppy, but the story was cool. You play like an undead, you know, knight who pretty much not good looking to look at, but he could swing a pretty mean sword and pretty much you're trying to stop the evil ones, basically. And of course I was glad that they, you know, decided to come out with a remastered version with updated graphics and everything, and it looks really good. Um I pretty much got familiar with it based on the demo. Yeah. I got familiar, but I liked the story and everything, and I thought the graphics were at that time, you know, PlayStation early graphics were really good. I mean, like I said, it's just the only, only thing was, like, the control, like, the camera was kind of, like, tricky and stuff because it kept shifting away from you, and you always try to readjust the camera. And then, But, I mean, overall, the gameplay was great. You know, it was pla- there was a little platforming. It was one of those, like, hack-and-slash type of games as well, and... Honestly, the color it was a little it was a little, the original was really colorful, but the remaster looks really good. I seen the demo, seen the video, the trailer for it. It looks really good. The remaster version is definitely something that you guys should definitely pick up if you want to get that nostalgia feeling. It's available on PlayStation Four. So, Biko, do you have any thoughts on Medieval? Uh, no, I mean I remember, I remember what it is. I never played. It. I remember the demo because it was on each damn demo. I don't remember if they ever made a part two. Uh, but it was on that same demo disc with Metal, uh, Twisted Metal, um, Spyro, and Medieval were all on the same disc. Uh, and those were like the, I don't, I can't remember if it went with the PlayStation when you first got because I got my PlayStation used from a neighbor friend of mine that mm-hmm. I grew up with because he, he got the PS2 before any of the people I knew got it. And so he gave the PlayStation to me with a couple of games. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing, nothing with that in mind. So I never played it, but I, I remember when I would go to his house, he had... He had that demo disc, and we'd pop it in, um, because Twisted Metal, you could play right after it, but, I don't, I don't know, I didn't play it enough, but I remember, like, it comes to mind, because you can always remember that damn disc with his weird eye, because he had a, like you said, he looked weird as hell for a zombie, or a, a skeleton with, a medieval skeleton, you know, trying to stop the dead, in, yeah. the, in the weird nether world, it was cool. All right, um, number twenty-two, the Legacy of Kane series. Mm. Oh my god, okay. it's one of those games where it was dark. Oh man, that was a really good game. And I mean, what can I say about this series? You know, I'm surprised they never brought it back for a new generation. I don't know. If it's because the studio that made it is no longer around. Let's see if I can pull it up and see here. Legacy of Kane. Here it is, Legacy of Kane series. Because I remember that got two games. Yeah, it looks like the last game was in 2003. It had so many publishers. Oh, it was published by Chris Dynamics, uh, Square Enix Europe. So it was developed first by, um, pretty much by uh, Crystal Dynamics. Um, 
eventually, you know, they get bought by Eidos, and Eidos end up, you know, getting bought by Sony. I mean, not by, by Square Enix, so it's like... It's got so many posters, but they, they were the first ones. And basically, it was developed, it was created by Silicon Knights, um, under the direction of Dennis Dyback. This is a Wikipedia entry, guys. And it's the whole vampire thing. It was like, you played a vampire, but you pretty much, um... Become a rebel, basically. You don't follow the certain regimes, like, actions, and you decide to take matters to your own hands, and, um, pretty much it's, like, it was one of those games where, you know, it was a 2D adventure game, and with a role-playing element, but basically, it became, you know, almost like a Legend of Zelda-esque type of thing, where it was an adventure game that had almost, like, I don't know, almost, like, 50 hours of gameplay, especially, yeah. I think it expanded, like, on two discs when, when it came out on PlayStation. I think it was, like, a two-disc thing because the game was, like, so big. And then, um... And it, it looked really good. I mean, it went to something that was released in 1999. So it came out a little later at the end of the PlayStation's life before it got ported to Windows and Dreamcast. But eventually, it, it was called Legacy of King Soul Reaver. So, I mean, it, pretty much, it was a good game. It was dark, you know... And um, like I said, definitely something you guys should take a look at. I mean, I wish they would have remastered that if Square Enix had, because I know with the whole right now, everybody's remastering old games right now. Obviously, that, that was something I wanted to see get remastered as well, because it could be available on PlayStation and Xbox. Yeah. So I don't know if you have anything, any memories of uh, Legacy of Kane? Never played it. I know of it, just never played it. Alrighty, so let's move on to number 21, which is um, Shadow Colossus. Oh, shit. And the funny thing is, it was one of the PlayStation, um, two. it was PlayStation 2, um, but right now it's available, it, if you, a couple months ago it was free, the remaster version was re- um, was available for PlayStation Plus, free games, I got it, um, it's a fun game, um, I had, I did not play the original, well, no, I had a demo for the original, it was just like, it was a little tutorial kind of level. Like, they let you, like, actually learn how to climb on your first Colossus. I mean, it's basically a story where... You fit, like, the first boss. Like, the first boss was, like, the first demo. It was just to give you... They take you to the first boss fight just to give you an idea how to give you the idea what the mechanics are for the game. It was more about, like, platforming, but at the same time, you know, timing. It was all about timing as well and reaction because you had to, like, hit the button a certain way for your for your character to hang on to the Colossus. And basically, some were, like, puzzles. You had to climb up to the... Hit a certain weak point. Um, the story was great because basically you were a knight. Um, you were a knight, and then the princess was fall into a coma. And basically, you you are told that you're supposed to take out the colossus in order to wake her up. So that's why you go out. It's, it's, it was it was like open world because you had to like look for them. Like your sword had the ability to track the colossus. And like I said, it took a little like platforming. So you had to learn how to climb. You had to hurt, hurt, hit in certain points or weak points. Um, it was a really good narrative. That, you know, I liked it. Um, right now, I have the remastered version because, like I said, it was free on PlayStation Plus. So I definitely need to go back in there and play it. I don't know, Biko, did you have a ch- any chance to play that game at all? I remember only playing the demo and being blown away by it because of just all the mechanics. of. Because at that time, it was a lot more polished, being that the PS2, they were trying to sell it hard. And, and that demo disc, because the level was a lot longer than what it could be f- used to from a demo disc. Um, and I remember the being the game being. Uh, it, I think the expansion on what a what a one play like a a one player story type of open world type of deal, but it still follows a storyline. I think that type of game was hitting a singular path, 
And I think that opened up to how a boss battle and how expansive it could be. And I think that show, I don't know if it came out before God of War or on the same time, but I think I see if, if God of War did come out after that, which I think I'd put that in this list, but if I want to say if, if Shadow of Colossus came out, God of War, I cannot not think that it wasn't an inspiration for games like God of War. Um, just how the character, because the character in there is not, there's not a lot of personalization. You're just kind of deal with him, but it's just like you and a horse. And then you're fighting these mega, these godlike things out of like a Greek mythology type of deal to where it was like the first time we saw like those type of boss battles. Like how big, like you're just this normal person. And then God of War took it one step further and was just like, no, now you're going to be fucking uh, Ares or whatever uh, and go fight a bunch of fucking people. And like you're going to like destroy, or Kratos, I'm sorry. And then you're going to destroy everything and you're going to become the new God of War and all that stuff. So it's like, those those have very similar aspects. But Shadow Colossus, I mean, it got two games out of it too. Um, and then we got the remaster, which... If I had a PS5 or a PS4, I would have. That would probably be one of the games I would shell out for. Uh, just kind of because I was still very young when that came out, and I didn't get the PS2 till later on. So it, a lot of the PlayStation side things that came in a little later. But Shadow Colossus is one of those must games. You have to have it. It's impossible not to play it. Um, the next game series I got here is Infamous Second Son, which it's one of the first um, PlayStation game, uh, 4 games I got. Um, if you ever played the Infamous series, it debuted in 2000 and early on PlayStation 3. Basically, you get, you're a person, you're pretty much an overpowered metahuman, and you got abilities, and it's based on your actions. Um, depending on your actions, you can either be feared by people or loved by people. I kind of like the whole truth or consequences type of thing. And the whole morale thing about it because it spawned two games plus a spinoff and the one i played more was the second son i was aware of infamous um there was like the, the campaign for it but it was kind of cool it's like you're technically not a superhero but you're like a meta human but it's like you you're gripped with this whole morale thing where i can use your abilities to help people are you going to use your abilities to destroy people and it has bait and your powers will evolve based on your actions you get certain abilities you do good, you get certain abilities you do bad. It depends how you're brought up. And the whole thing is, like, these people get taken for experiments or they get experimented on given these abilities. I mean, Second Son's kind of cool because you play almost like a... I don't know if the character's, like, kind of like a Inuit or something, but it's like a Native American-type character. I always played a, fl- a few of it. I have a copy of the game. Um, it's somewhat... There's some platforming, but I need to... It's one of the games I need to go back into and definitely check it out. Um... So, uh, I don't know, Biko, if you have anything regards of Infamous at all? Have you ever were, were aware of the series? Never heard of it. No, no. Never, never heard of this game before. I, I probably played this game, or I've never heard of this game before. It sounds somewhat familiar to, if I were, if I would only guess it's probably one of those games that you're going around. Because I remember there's a game called Too Human that I th- think had a lot of similarities to infamous i remember if you have a lot of parts uh those are one of those games that like i think it would it, it was too niche uh or or generally niche enough where it comes to like the open world type of single game like an assassin's creed or something like that to where i just don't i don't remember much of it i don't again i probably i've never played it never actually heard of it and they fucking, I got two of them so it must have been that good but 
Um, I wish I had heard of it, because, I don't know, um, I never played it, so it'd be hard for me to understand if it's good or not. Because at that point, what, I was already going, next, once 360 came out on Xbox, I think that might have been around that time that I went 360. Uh, but no, I never, I never played it. I mean, like I said, it's a great game. Like, definitely one of those play greatest hits. That's one of those greatest hits games that you definitely had. It's good. It's really cheap right now. It's like 20 bucks right now. Um, definitely check it out, guys. Infamous Second Son on PlayStation 4. Um, number 19, Silent Hill. Oh, shit. Yeah. What can you say about Silent Hill? Because that game, you can only play on PlayStation. Yeah. Because it didn't branch. Like, I don't think it branched out to other systems. It was only on a PlayStation. Even to this day, it was still on PlayStation. Um... I would say it's one of those series where it even it, it, it's it defined the whole survivor horror genre because it was done by Hideo Kojima, who you know worked on Metal Gear. He's the creator. He was the, one of the creators yeah, of yeah. everything. Yeah, it was one of the Kojima productions. Of course, unfortunately, you know we were supposed to get Silent Hills this year. With, was supposed to come out for PS4 with Nolan Reedus. Of course, that never came to fruition. Due to, you know, backlash between Konami and Hideo Kojima. So they kept having that backlash to the point that playable teaser was taken off. Creative differences, they claim. So, but overall, it was a good game. It spawned so many sequels. You know, The Room was one of them. And, you know, the, the only thing that kind of creeps me was the music. And, of course, when you go into the one town, there's no music. It only sees the fog. And then it's like you're walking through this town and he sees this fog. And then, of course, it's more recognized with its villains. Of course, Pyramid Head, the big, you know... Benemith with a giant machete and the pyramid head thing, and of course those creepy nurses. He's the bad guy. He's the main guy. And then of course the creepy nurses as well, because it was one of the scary villains. And of course there's the mannequins and everything. It's like it was one of those games that you know, best to play in the dark. Man. It's like, like it created it, it. basically turned like the house on the haunted hill into a video game, and that you can interact with. But it just when you thought it wasn't, it was gonna be maybe around as scary as that movie. It was a hundred times worse. And even more scarier, and the fact that he was able to make you freak out with these terribly rendered little polygon bits of Pyramid Head doing their thing, it's like, it's insane how just even just the story could compel you to get afraid. And I, and then the last thing I played by him that was, looked like it was me based on Silent Hill was that one demo that they had him take off uh, PT mm-hmm. that he made. Holy shit, that shit was scary. But I thought he would have used Norman Reedus for that too, but... Silent Hill. I mean, I don't doubt we're going to get another Silent Hill for the next uh, the next generation console for PS5 if it ever comes out, because uh, Sony's going through some shit. But fuck Silent Hill. Uh, I think it might have. It was it was good on on PlayStation because it brought it home. But PC, I think it was on there too, and it only expanded. Uh, mm-hmm. But Silent Hill one and two, because that was like one of the first games too that you could play at the at the arcade. No, I don't think so. I don't think I've it was seen no. it at our arcade before. They made an arcade version of it. Yeah, but and it's only because like how, I remember House of the Dead. That that was more like a Sega. Was, yeah. yeah, that's more Sega. But it, it they try to take remnants of it, but it was more like that in Time Crisis. But Silent Hill. It's fucking scary. And we got a movie out of it. It wasn't that good, but we, we got a movie out of it. Um, and if it gets a movie, that means it's a, it's a video game that should be fucking remembered. All right. Um, number 18, Soul Calibur. Soul Calibur. I know you were a big Soul Calibur guy. I remember that game first came out. I don't know if it came out first on PlayStation or it came out on Dreamcast. Xbox. Dreamcast. It was a Dreamcast, Dreamcast but eventually... Dreamcast first. It was Dreamcast first, but it got more... 
That's where it started. It, it started, but it got more notoriety once um they it got ported to uh, PlayStation. Mm-hmm. So actually PlayStation 3, because what was cool about it, the reason why I mentioned it, PlayStation 2 and PlayStation 3, is if you bought the PlayStation 3 version, it came with exclusive characters. Um, I think um, if you got the PS3 version, I think you got... I don't know who you got. I mean, I think if you got... Uh, was it Vader for the PlayStation, or was it... Uh, um, I don't. The first, the first I think time you had Kratos it, or something. I, I know you had. The first time they did it was after Soul Calibur three, because I I had Soul Calibur three for PS two. Mm-hmm. When they did it before Soul Calibur four, because they added Yoda, Darth Vader, because of uh, Star Wars. Oh, fuck it. Was it because of Battlefront two? Because I know they made. Because then they they later iterations like Soul Calibur six. They added the guy from um, Star Wars Force Unleashed, mm-hmm. which I'm blanking on the name of. Uh, but you, they added him in there, and then later iterations they added... Because uh, Namco is the same people who made Tekken. Uh, so you, we had characters such as... If you, if you are a fan of the Tekken series, um, there's a couple crossover characters that they've added in because the same developers. But Soul Calibur was probably one of the first fighting games to implement weapon usage. Oh, so they, each they, character, okay. each character had their own weapons and their own ability to use, and then you were able to. The more you progressed in the game, you unlock different weapons and different skins for the character, and each character was so unique because they all had their own fighting styles. So, if you were a player, it, it sort of worked against you to only be focused on using one guy and being good at it. Because in fighting games, everyone always finds their favorite, and they're always the best favorite. But it also serves you as a weakness if. Considering that once online gaming became popular, uh, once home consoles were able to have their own services supporting that, fighting games opened up the competition. So you had you had various characters that had different weapons, but its own advantages. So I think Soul Calibur helped push that in the sense that you were able to kind of learn each character's quirks as long as far as implementing their weapons in, in matches too, because you were still able to fight uh, like Tekken style, but then you had weapons. Um, and then the characters had their own voices. The, the storyline was more expansive, too, because it was around the, the sword, the soul edge, which is the sword that Nightmare holds. So it had, for a fighting game, it had a little more of a story arc, as a, you know, that we're used to, because we were used to One Mortal Kombat. Uh, Tekken was getting bigger down that time. Uh, uh, King of Fighters, uh, Dead or Alive, I think, started PC, but then moved in. So we got more, at least, fighting fighting game developers had to get a little more creative um, and bouncy boobs. So, like, they, <laughs> Soul Calibur, like, they, even though it started on Dreamcast, I think it really found its footing on PlayStation given that Dreamcast had to hit the wayside. But as far as I know, like you mentioned, they started implementing new characters. These gimmicks, you know, they started, they I think Hachi from, like, yeah, there, Spawn like, was in there. Yeah, I just saw that. I just read that Spawn was in a certain one. Hihachi um, from Tekken was was added. Oh, he was always And Yoshimatsu was part of it because remember Yoshimatsu was on Tekken, but he was yeah, yeah, that yeah, one guy with the sword. There, yeah. And then they expanded his, he was since, since the first one. Him and um, Hachi were both characters in the first one too. So like, but since they were both unlockables, Yoshimitsu became regular in the third one. Yeah, I think after action. like after the original Soul Calibur, like part two, it started the trilogy because mm-hmm. I guess they wanted to expand upon the universe. I just yeah. read the Wikipedia article that two, three, or four were like the true trilogy sequels. Yeah, so uh, it was like expanding the original, like expanding the mythology of the original Soul Calibur. But overall, it, I mean, it was good series. It's kind of hard. And then number seventeen, uh-huh. and number seventeen, I kind of it was like a tie for this one because. Um, 
I was I had Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter for number seventeen. So I mean, you can talk about both of them because you know, once the you know you know Mortal Kombat you know on Genesis and people talk about the SNES version, but once it moved to like PlayStation Two, I mean, yeah, Mortal Kombat Four. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, of course, Mortal Kombat 4, you know, it was, like, Midway's attempt to try to do 3D gaming. I mean, Mortal Kombat 4 was one of the titles that, that came out. I don't know if it came out on PlayStation or PlayStation yeah. 2. Well, PlayStation. Yeah, so they did Mortal Kombat 4 on PlayStation. And, of course, with the limitations of the PlayStation at that time, you know, they tried to do the polygon graphics. You know, they were trying to move from, like, 2D to 3D. It's a little rough. And then Street Fighter, of course, you know, Street Fighter being so what good on... It was on Super Nintendo... And on Genesis, ended up going to, you know, on PlayStation, we got, you know, they did the remasters where they brought the originals on PlayStation, but as well, they added, you know, Alpha. You had the Street Fighter Alpha series as well, so oh, yeah, they expanded awesome. more on yeah. Street Fighter, but Street Fighter got, to me, they got more notoriety on PlayStation with the ability, because you, with PlayStation, you know, they added where you can buy an arcade controller use that. and use that as a peripheral for the playstation you which know? people loved because it brought that ex- same type of experience to your home and without spending quarters upon quarters of your parents hard-earned money just to fucking yeah i remember it. they had playstation had a lot of peripherals uh, sega man. had the remember the little joypad too they had it for a couple but like yeah it's like you play playstation was good at implementing a lot of their hardware shit but like i said Mortal Kombat and street fire made i think there's more people playing on street fire and playstation than Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, once the new generation is like, you didn't have much of a choice before. They were also pumping out titles, man. I feel like I mean, that kind of helped to the band. Yeah. Like they had that puzzle fighter. They started expanding that, that shit. Like with uh, considering how Busta moves started getting popular, so they tried to throw Star Fort fighter characters, and that even got its like you know its little wheels behind them too. Because then they went on to Game Boy Advance. Uh, but yeah, I think on the PlayStation Street Fighter fucking took the cake against Mortal Kombat had a rough transition, I think, because of that fourth title. It was rough. Like, even for it... To, yeah, they, they tried so hard to do the polygon rendering. and But they I think they, like, rolled it out in the arcade first. Because that was where they started. Yeah. The way it did. But I think that just... That kind of problem... It may, that may have maybe hurt them. Because it's like everyone was already... So I think they were trying to do, like... Like I said, I think they were trying to do more of, like, a 3D-esque. Because they were used to the 2D fighting. So... Well, no, they had to do that. But I, I'm saying the success of it, I think... They were they they probably put through all their chips into that uh, the arcade aspect of everything would still hold true because mm-hmm. that's how they started. But I think like we everyone was already regressing to home console gaming so much and PC still being big at that time that like it just doesn't. I don't I don't know. I think that might have hurt them and it just it didn't play very well. It was very clunky. The moves the move set was okay, but like the graphics were a little off putting for compared to a lot of like the different fighting games that that they. I mean, Soul Calibur didn't look shitty compared to that, and that started off in the Dreamcast. Then we're talking, like, PS2, PlayStation, PS2 start, but... I mean, yeah, I could, I would put them together instead of having single spots, because they did they did both have to transition a lot faster. Alright, uh, number 16. I know a lot of people are going to be shitting on me for this. I put Resident Evil. Uh, yeah, yeah, why not? That, for PlayStation? Number 16. I mean, I mean, it was one of the first, you know, survivor horror games on PlayStation. It had the, the camera angle. It had the aiming assist. But I kind of like for the fact when you played the original Resident Evil, also known as Biohazard in Japan. Mm-hmm. But, of course, there's a band named Biohazard. So when it came to the U.S., it was known as Resident Evil. You don't want to scare anyone. So, but it was developed, you know, it was Capcom. You know, one of the developers worked on a thing called Sweet Home, which was like the 
it was never released in the U.S. Sweet Home was the same old survivor horror. Sweet Home was on the on the Famicom, but it was never released in the U.S. It was an RPG esque with survivor horror elements. And so the creator from Sweet Home, it was based on a film, a Japanese horror film, but they made a video game of it. Um, it was never released here in the U.S. Um, I saw you can watch it on YouTube because they got the, the translation, but you can watch it. It's really good. Um, it, but one of the creators worked on Resident Evil. Um, it gave me the inspiration, and of course, with this, you know, it introduces the characters like Chris Redfield, and also too, it, it also introduced like how to survive because your your inventory yeah. wasn't that big, so you had to make decisions where you had to drop certain things or use certain things. It was more like, and that, and that course, you know, I'm talking about the original guys. I'm not talking about the whole, I mean, I love the whole series in general. I'm just focusing on the first game, guys, because, you know, like I said, it was an introduction. And, of course, the transitions from when you open the door, hear the door, and, like, it shows, like, the full FM video, full motion video of it. I mean, to try, and then they had those 3D rendered cutscenes. So it was one of the first games with the 3D rendered cutscenes where it, it was really good. I mean, I enjoy it. I mean, it spawned movies. It spawned, like, films it's right now um themesis 3 the resident evil 3 out. remake just came out right great. now it looks awesome i mean part two was great too um of course there's the remaster versions of the original resident evil resident evil zero um who knows um like i said the base it is that's what catcom's doing right now they're just re- remaking them but what's kind of cool is they're remaking them from scratch so they're they're able to do it and just get a whole new look actually use real people as models for the characters because they actually use real people as the models for the characters but it looks really good. Um, but like I said, um, it was one of those first survivor horror. And I remember they tried, I think with Resident Evil 3 Nemesis, they tried to port it to the N64. And it looks so bad. It, it looks so like the polygon was so different. It was so clunky. and It didn't play the same either. Because uh, that's my first time I played Resident Evil was on the 64. And the controller is different than the... If you're not familiar, PlayStation controls are shaped way differently than N64. Uh... And Resident Evil 3 Nemesis, I think, was very limited on the N64 because of that, especially Nemesis, because it got harder, and Nemesis was, God, such a, oh, what a crazy game, but the bad thing with N64 is that it had the C buttons, and that was, like, another, more of your control way of, of controlling the camera, and that shit made it even harder, because then you had to use the joystick, and then you had the control pad, thumb pad, cycling through your inventory. It was very clunky. Everything on the N64 is clunky. But on the PlayStation, you were able to play in that scary environment. Um, Resident Evil was the first game I've ever played to where it scared the shit out of me. And it still does. I still get that same feeling like, you never know what the fuck's going to jump out at you. You don't know who the fuck's chasing you. Or when you hear, yeah, like you mentioned the, 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 the creepy door closing and it's squeaking like it hasn't gotten WD-40 in years. Yeah. Like, the whole environment of, of Resident Evil that sets a tone in, in gaming or as somebody playing the game by yourself, that was the first one that, like, scared the shit out of you, but it was like watching a movie. It got its movie run. Um, you think of what you will about the movies. I know they're not as... Com- the same as compared to the game, but fuck, I mean they tried to. It's I so mean rolling. he tried to make it like a tribute to it. Oh more. no, the movies are terrible. Like they're they're not that great. The first one's probably the best one, mm-hmm. only because it introduced us and it did fairly okay. Uh, Mila Jovovich is okay. I liked her in the fifth element better. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez is badass, and that was her peak. I want to say at her prime acting career at that time because she was in like a lot of different movies, but. uh... It's still going, and then the remasters, for what it's worth, they play, the and remakes. they hold up, and they're even better. It makes you revisit the, the, 
the the lore of of Resident Evil, and it's still fucking good. And they they are keeping it. Good. Yeah, I started watching John Wolf's um because I watched him play like the remake of Resident Evil Two, yeah. and then right now he just started doing Resident Evil Three. I'm watching him because I, he's one of the YouTubers I follow when it comes so to gaming. Hard. The it looks so hard. Yeah, I mean it's one of those games I'm not into survivor horror, but it's like I see like we visit our our uncle Sal because mm-hmm. he you know we got introduced to PlayStation through him, so we got to play some of the games through him. Um, and he had Resident Evil, he's a big Resident Evil fan, and he, he has a lot of the games, and, you know, just watching him play, and it's like, he gets into it, and it's really good, I mean, it's one of those games, it's gonna be cool to play in the dark, I mean, you know, it's just yeah. like, yeah. like, they're like, there's no music until you see, hear, hear that, like, the zombie, like, the zombie going, it's like, just, like, it's so engaging, the game is just too good. <laughs> Alright, so let's move on to number 15, Gran Turismo. Gran Turismo. Honestly, I can't think of a better driving sim than Gran Turismo. That's like their brain because honestly, the mechanics and everything, it's one of those like sims, driving sims where yeah, it's racing, but it's like they got actual cars. Like they got actual like dealer, like mod, uh, makers. So you got to play like cars that you're never going to play here. It's like it give you the idea of, you know, how it feel like to drive these certain cars because each car handles differently based on, you know, the engine and stuff. And, um, Honestly, it's Spencer. I mean, the recent one is Grand Turismo Sport, which I need to get. And of course, like a lot of people play it. Like, there's a lot of e-gaming on it. A lot of e esports uses that game as well. Came uh, out '97. So it's like it's one of those games where you know it's racing. You know, honestly, it's like you can't go wrong with a driving sim. Of course, it, it led to. I think it was more of an inspiration for like Need for Speed. Damn, dude. It was, I think to me, it's more of an inspiration because it kind of spawned like Need for Speed. Yeah. Um. They also spawn like burnout or for you know for Xbox they have Horizon right. they had Forza was their exclusive. So I would say like Grand Turismo to me, yeah, it I reason I have it fifteen, yeah, I break that a little bit higher, but it's because like, for me I played the demo for it, but I never I played it at Uncle Sal's, he had it. I was not into sim racing, but I, I enjoyed it. I mean that's something where definitely I will get a peripheral for if you want to get the true driving experience, definitely get the steering wheel and the pedals. So definitely something I, I do recommend if you want to get that whole driving-esque experience um, is Gran Turismo. Definitely pick it up. I think right now the recent one support is available on PlayStation 4. Yeah. So definitely check it out. I don't know, Biko, do you have anything to say about Gran Turismo at all? Yeah, uh, I want to correct you. Uh, Need for Speed actually came out three years before Gran Turismo did. Hmm. So Gran Turismo didn't come out until December 23rd, 1997. And then you're right, Sport, it was the last thing released under the property and it was released... 2017 so fairly old um need for speed actually came out the first title released was in 1994 oh was it for playstation or was it for more like pc uh racing video game released on the 3do and ported to ms dos okay so it was more pc yeah all of them so but later on but Um, i think for need for to me need for speed was more like you try to it was more like racing but it's more avoiding the cops right no, this one, yeah, not this one. This one was actually racing. The first Need for Speed was racing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you avoid police later on. Uh, yeah, it was released in 96. On the so like a year before. A year before Gran Turismo. But yeah, its first rendition was on 3DO, but that must have canned enough for them to go on PC. But yeah, Need for Speed after. But Gran Turismo, like you mentioned, it's, it's definitely... Uh, Anybody who's been into video games for a while and it's been alive for a while, if they don't know about Gran Turismo, but they know of car racing games, Gran Turismo was that the the, the most accurate at the time driving simulator 
And for gearheads, completely, uh, it captured everything. I think if you're into Formula Racing, they covered all that. Yeah, they covered it. Uh, and later on in years, obviously, like you had mentioned earlier, it's it, it was like the granddaddy for a lot of these type of real racing sims because there was a market for that. Some people didn't always just want to fucking race like a madman and, and just go fast. They, no, they wanted, actually wanted legit, to legit. get a legit representation of racing. Um, and who doesn't want to see concept cars on the racetrack or, or a fucking, you know, not everybody gets to drive a Lamborghini, but why not in a fucking video game as close as you possibly can? And then that's when people start implementing the steering wheels. Yeah, that's uh, steering wheels. That yeah. was fucking great. Um, and they started tournaments and it's still going to this day. It's still fucking going. All right, let's go to number 14, Twisted Metal. Twisted Metal. So I know you mentioned it earlier in the podcast. To me, Twisted Metal, yeah, it's one of those like, Bulma was like a demolition derby, and it had his cast of characters. Sweet Tooth is pretty much the mascot. I mean, he's pretty much the face of Twisted Metal franchise in general. And like I said, it's one of those, like, basically you're driving these vehicles, and you pretty much try to take your opponent out. It's more of those survival type, kind of like Smash Brothers type, you know. Yeah, demolition derby. Uh, demolition derby. Like, Sorry, guys, if you're hearing noise, we, just, the, we order food. <laughs> Keep on. Strapped onto your car as you're trying to take your points out. You get machine guns. Uh, you're going through this. Yes, it's like it's like super. It's it's Mario Kart but demolition derby, and you have crazy fucking weapons. So it like took that and expanded the idea. Instead of racing, you're just fucking each other up with stuff, and you're on these semi-big uh, courses. And I, t- I think you had up to eight people that you can get fucked up, and it it, it started in '95, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, because it was, like, PlayStation came out in 94, but I think it came out to the U.S. like in, a year later, because remember, Japan got everything first. No, yeah, because of everything else. But, uh, they expanded, you see, to 95, and then the, the last thing we got was a reboot of the original, and that was back in 2012, so almost a decade ago, and they haven't made anything as of late, which kind of, it's kind of sad, because it was one of the first titles on PlayStation, let alone that you could do multiplayer, um, given that later on as PlayStation developed within its market, they were able to implement, uh, what was, I forgot what that was called, but when you can add extra ports for controllers, the expansion thing, you can connect to the one of the control ports. Yeah. That you can add more than uh, four players. Oh, the multi-tap, yeah. Multi-tap, there you go. So uh, PlayStation was only had a few ports and 64 had it on them when they had four ports, but then once they released the multi-tap, you could have... Oh, man, up to eight players, yeah, if you had extra multi-tap. And then more developers start making games to cater to that multiplayer gaming. Uh, and then Twisted Metal, albeit, was such a strong property to have to cater to that. And then considering that uh, it released, what, up to t- Twisted Metal 4? Within a de- within that decade, because Twisted Metal 4 came out in, in 1999. And then the last, and then once PS2 came out, we got Twisted Metal Black and then Twisted Metal Head On. Mm-hmm. And then they started expanding a little bit. Oh, PSP had its own version. And then Twisted Metal Head On Extra Twisted. So they just expanded on the PSP title. And then we got that reboot in 2012. So, or the remake. But we didn't get anything too special. Everything else were just spinoffs. Which, uh, it's kind of sad because I would like to see a new Twisted Metal updated we'd probably get a tesla with a fucking uzi on the, <laughs> out the windows or some shit like that'd be cool if we had modern contemporary cars get a like a nice paint job and 
and thrown into the Twisted Metal world and, and to see, uh, what was his game? What was the clown's name again? Sweet Tooth was Sweet his name. Sweet Tooth, yeah, that was my favorite character. Yeah, because he, he had that scary, and his hair was like yeah, on yeah, fire. Yeah. It looked like it was on fire. It, it, was like... just, it was as 90s as you can get. <laughs> um, and I, and, but the sad thing is I don't think we can get something like this anymore because it's like you're basically conducting an all-round drive-by all day. <laughs> you're crashing at the cars. So maybe not in this time, but fuck yeah. All right, number 13, God of War. Uh, what can we say about God of War, man? It's like, honestly, it was pretty much, you know, the series in general was great. You know, you play Kratos, who pretty much was a leader of an army, had a wife and son. He had a wife, he had a family. Of course, he did the bidding for Ares. And of course, you know, Ares ends up betraying him. And he gets betrayed to the point, like, his skin gets so ashy from, you know... He got, and then of course Kratos got tricked to like killing his own family, but he got manipulated by Ares because he because he see he saw Kratos as being a big warrior, like he's gonna be my guy. But I need to give him some extra motivation. But at the same time, you know, he is tricked to thinking that he killed his wife and kid. So he has that. He's using that as Ares using that to advantage. So you know, Kratos ends up, and Ares decides to use Kratos to go and you know he says, "Oh, the other gods are to blame." So he tries to. Uh, so he tries to have him do all these things by killing, you know. And what's kind of cool was he took the, like, the concept of Greek mythology and made it cooler. Because I remember studying Greek mythology in school, but we didn't talk about it too much about it. But, like, listening about, like, you know, Zeus and all the things, the creatures, like Medusa and everything. But what's kind of cool was he got to do different things. And, of course, you know, Kratos always had a god. I forgot who it was. Athena was, like, one of, uh, one of the people that usually helped him and stuff. Because she was the goddess of wisdom. So she pretty much became, like, his, like go-to when it comes to certain tasks and stuff and of course you know expand out to the point you know Kratos ends up you know getting his revenge on Ares and then of course later on God of War 3 it, it, it launches the whole you know he tries to get revenge on all the gods so he has a going yeah. climb out Mount Olympus which was kind of cool because it was one of the launch titles for PlayStation 3 what was kind of cool was um yet they remastered the first two games on PlayStation 3 so you got to play those as well and of course, you know, God of War, even though people are calling God of War 4, it was just being known as God of War, expand to not just Greek mythology, but expand on to the Norse mythology. So now it's like Kratos raising his son, raising a son, but it's more like in the, in the Norse mythology, which kind of expands on, you know, what eventually was started. But honestly, you know, Hack and Slash, that was an RPGs. there was some platform, there was puzzle solving. So it had a mixture of everything that I could think you could possibly want in a game. Besides the narrative, this is like hack and slash, RPG elements to increase your stats, but also platforming and puzzle solving. Mm-hmm. So it was a game that made you think. But overall, I enjoyed the series as well. I had dabbled in the series. I had not played the new God of War. I'm going to wait until it goes on sale. Maybe I will pick it up because it looks really interesting. And it's like, you know, it, like I said, I'm surprised they have not made it into a film. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I mean, there's so many actors you can get to play Kratos. Like, it doesn't have to be someone that's... Cre- and you got so many action heroes to play Kratos. As long as it's not Batista. <laughs> as long as it's not sort David. Of, yeah, yeah. But what, what are your thoughts on, you know, God of War? Um, yeah, exactly that. It sucks because uh, I've always... I've always played God of War in other people's houses. I've never owned it. And I think it's only because I've limited myself once I went 360. I never... And that was only because of... Um, I was a... I kind of still am. I dip my toes. Uh, at that time, God of War was really catching steam with Part 2 coming out and Part 3. 
I was already on Xbox 360 and, and, and gaming a lot online, and I think God of War is, it's, it's first person, you know, just one player gaming, and it's such an expansive story mode, and, and the game itself plays so it's so well, it's going to hold up. Uh, it's so fucking bloody, it's so good in Greek, in, in all the mythology of sh the shit like that is so cool, they implement that. The graphics at the time were amazing, and they still are, especially the newer one that was that came out a few years ago. Like, it, 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 I remember a friend Ivan played it, and fucking, he said, "Dude, it made me cry." I don't even have a son; I have a daughter. But he's like, that one time I was like, "Shit, I wish my daughter was a, a boy," because he's like, just playing that fucking game, it made me feel like, yeah, this is so fucking sweet. It's like, oh, look at me and my son going around killing things, like these guides and shit, and the game. It is tremendously, tremendously entertaining, and yeah, it's it, man. It should have got a movie a long time ago. We got movies for fucking Assassin's Creed week. We got movies for uh, the Prince of Persia. We got movies for fucking World of Warcraft. And I get it; those are all titles that've been a while, that have been out for a long time. But Assassin's Creed, yeah, sorry, and they even have Michael Fassbender in that shit, and that still didn't do good. And, uh, but I think God of War should get a movie, hopefully within this decade, it should get a movie. All right, number 12. I will say this game, I will say, contribute to a lot, you know, people going work it out. I will say DDR. Oh, uh, Dance Dance Revolution? Revolution, yeah, because honestly, yeah. it came out once. One of the things where, okay, DDR, you know, people, if you go into an arcade, you see the glowing platforms. But it was like, what was cool about it is they got to deal with, Konami got to deal with PlayStation where they ported DDR to the PlayStation 2. Konami. And you can actually, and what was cool is they actually, you actually sell the peripheral. So you actually had the peripheral, it was like a mat, with, they had the corresponding, you know, buttons, and you plug it into the controller port. And I think you used the, the second controller to, because it was like, do I connect one pad, but I didn't connect two pads. And you used the pad to navigate the menu and everything, so on the top of the pad had like the directional yeah. buttons and the selection buttons. Yeah, it didn't come out. It didn't come to here until '99. Yeah, it came out like '99. But, but here, not in the U.S. Yeah, so it became a dance craze where everyone, if you went to an arcade, you saw people like playing Dance Revolution, wasting quarters on it. But playing it at home was crazy because you get, like you didn't have the metal padding thing you're stepping on. But you had to make sure you not wear your shoes. But at the same time, when you're dancing, make sure you don't slip and fall. But music was catchy. It launched so many recognizable songs. They got so many remixes to certain songs, and actually, you know, yeah, it was like techno. But it was like it was like techno to the screen. But I mean, techno was still very much underground at those times, and it was very niche, and not a lot of people listened to it. So, I guess if you got your fix in the, you were able. DDR helped helped help reach a lot of producers and stuff that were in foreign markets to showcase their music onto this game and, and it, it was a fucking wave in arcades and it's still today like it's still around and look i'm on its wikipedia page now and it's on more than it's on at least 13 to 14 different platforms and i remember our experience was on the playstation 2 because our, our buddy had it our neighbor shit. had it our neighbor had ddr so we got to play at his house Oh my god, man. I remember. Yeah, like, I didn't, yeah, I didn't really care for these games. Like, but I, I, I mean, it made you like so sweaty after a while. Like you're like, oh, but it's a workout. That's what I said. All right, number eleven. We're gonna talk about this real quick before we take a break because we got our food. Um, number eleven, SmackDown series, WWE SmackDown series. Honestly, you know, going from when 
you know, WWE at that time when it came to, they had so many different studios doing their games, they had Acclaim and everything, and of course WWE Attitude came out for the PlayStation 1. Um, that game, of course you had Warzone, but honestly I think that what kind of put more of them on the map was having THQ, who were not known to making these type of uh, sports entertainment type games, but, you know, launching on the PlayStation 1 was WWE Smackdown. Honestly, it was, the controls were awesome to the point where to make a finisher, you had to do was build the stamina. Moves were so they were so fluid, like they were able to do moves where you, there's a combination of directional and the button pressing. Uh, controls were so simple, and they were complete. You could play as your own WWE superstar, and it was kind of cool because the first SmackDown, yeah, it, it had them coming out, but in the back of the character, you saw like their entrance, their Titan Tron entrance video. So they had to play the video aspect of it, but um, it got to the point where you know. The finisher was regulated to a trigger button. So if you get to a certain point where you can launch a finisher on your opponent. And yeah, like graphics-wise, it didn't look as pretty as the beginning. But every year, it got better. Like SmackDown 2, Know Your Role. It expanded beyond the first game. It was on PlayStation as well. And it had a whole season mode. Where you could take certain characters and do a season. And then, of course, SmackDown 3, Just Bring It, came out for PlayStation 2. It was one of the jumping the gun it was good as well because at that time you can play as Undertaker Motorcycle Undertaker but uh, they had a deal with Limbiska had a deal with WWE at that time and you actually if you played like the season mode you can actually lock Fred Durst from Limbiska and they actually had rolling on there so you could play a rolling and of course you would Austin you could change Austin's theme to the, the song by Disturb and of course it showed the best man 17 arena which to me honestly was the best arena because it was in the Astrodome was one of those big events, the last events in the Astrodome. But definitely, um, and of course, you know, I had, yeah, SmackDown, Shut Your Mouth, SmackDown, Here Comes the Pain, and of course, they expanded to the SmackDown versus Raw series, which apparently right now, it was on PlayStation before they jumped into Xbox, and that became, you know, WWE. So they did SmackDown versus Raw into PS3, and then eventually got expanded to the Xbox 360. But honestly, I would say the original SmackDown series on SmackDown on PS PlayStation kind of put it in the map. And I know right now, um, was it Austin Creed on his Up That Down channel? They're doing the whole GM mode using SmackDown versus Raw 06. But it was kind of cool for season two to decide uh, to make the characters based on the current wrestlers. But definitely, definitely a good wrestling series, I would say. Yeah, that was number eleven. Was so a good start um, until they, I think. I personally didn't like it up until, or I liked it up until, uh, the one they added, what's his name, uh, fucking Brock Lesnar. Oh, shut your mouth. Um, I think it's that one, yeah, because then everything, the gameplay got skewed and a lot of shit, um, and that was when they started implementing higher powered wrestlers based on popularity, so like it just made the game unplayable in the sense that like, to remain competitive against your friends. It's like if you were to pick Rock, Brock Lesnar and you could pick Undertaker and Brock Lesnar would still win either way because he had every, all the stats were jacked up. But, and then, I mean, the guy in real life is jacked up. So, like, it makes sense. Uh, but SmackDown was big. It, it, it was cool. They just expanded considering most of the wrestling games were on NX64. Uh, THQ, even though they were doing all that shit over there, they were like, well, why don't we get some other people? Let's expand it a little more. And they go on PlayStation, and the rest is history. I mean, albeit the 2K series kind of 
has been in the forefront with all this stuff now. But and then recently, right now, I just read right knows. now they're gonna they're not gonna do a two K this year. Yeah, because it sucks. So maybe they'll maybe maybe it's gonna hopefully open the doors to some new developers to take a shot at it again and make it more competitive. Because frankly, two K I think is just starting to expand way too more, and we see a lot of their games taking a mm. quality hit. I want to say, um, albeit because I've been playing two K games for a long time. Alrighty guys, so I'm going to go ahead and take a quick break. Uh, our food is here. We're going to try to eat up, and then when we come back from break, we're going to break down the top 10, guys. We're at the top 10. So don't forget, don't go away. Make sure to listen to the dynamic ad. So we'll be back. Hey, it's the franchise from Talking Pop with the franchise and Biko. Just letting you know, we have a storefront. It's teespring.com slash Pop. We got shirts we got tank tops for men women kids we also got hoodies and sweatshirts um we actually have coffee mugs and we have an iphone case and a samsung case with the popstarnot logo on there also we have stickers so you can put on your locker on your laptop wherever you want to put those stickers on there so right now if you go to teespring.com slash talking pop when you go to check out use the promo code talk pop and save five dollars on your order support the podcast as always geek on and take care. Alrighty, now we're back. Um, hope you guys enjoyed that dynamic ad. Um, put work on to, into it. Um, right now, we're going to go through the top 10 of our top 25 PlayStation games list. So we're going number 10, Marvel Spider-Man for the PlayStation 4. I mean, this game, honestly... With Sony having the rights to Spider-Man at all, like when it comes to in terms of movies and stuff, I loved it. Insomniac Games, people who did Ratchet and Clank, were given the task of you know adapting Spider-Man because they wanted to make a, 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 a superhero game, and they were able to do it with, with Spider-Man because you know with Sony and Marvel's agreement. And I loved it. It was open world. Um, it kind of reminded me of the whole Spider-Man Two, the movie game where you get to explore New York City. And it's kind of cool. But what I like about it too is the story is really great. Which it takes like that modern, like Spider-Man in a more of a modern setting. So it's just like it's a it's a different take on Spider-Man, but it's like I think it worked. I mean, you know, Aunt May's working at a homeless working in a homeless shelter community, and you know, Doc Ock. It kind of gives you like a little origins. You know, Peter Parker's like an assistant for Doc Ock, and you know, he's and then um, one of the he has a police contact who's almost like you know to the Commissioner Gordon and Batman. Um, and I kind of like that they give other villains time to shine. I mean, yeah, you get the classic, you know, Marvel, uh, Marvel, Spider-Man villains, but you get to see like Negative Man, you know, Mr. Negative. You never get to see him, so you get to see other like you see a lot. I think you get Electro as well, and you get um, Doc Ock eventually becomes the main antagonist later on in the game. But what's cool about it was the exploration because there's different things you can do, different challenges. Um, they had like different, they had Taskmasters challenges. If you got the DLC, it expands out because you get to deal with Black Cat. Um, and what was kind of cool was there was like the, like the trophy list. There was one where you could take pictures in the game and share them on your social media. And there was one where you could take a picture. They had the Avengers Tower there. So that was kind of cool. And then, what I like about it too, they added Miles Morales to the thing. So it was like his origin story as well. And there's some elements where you get to play as Mary Jane. But it's more like the stealth and timing elements. And what's kind of cool is, you know, like Spider-Man has, like, a, a app thing where he uses to explore different things and nursing things to interact with. And, like, his abilities could upgrade and stuff. And 
And then you you have Harry. Harry's not there, but you get to look at his old files when he's up in Europe and stuff. So definitely, it's a really good game. It was like you know one of the top exclusives. You know, everyone was talking about Spider Man, the game, PS4, and, and even to the point it spawned its own comic. To the point they actually made a comic based on it, and I enjoyed it. I mean, the main story was great. The DLC with the Black Cat was really cool as well. You get to talk to her as well, do missions with her, and, you know, you get the two DLC packs. And what's kind of cool is um, with the different suits, and what I like about the suits is, is like, um, there are some suits that were actually created by um, Insomniac Games, and they did some of the custom suits, but they had, like, the throwbacks to the other suits. What's cool is you get to play as the movie suits, so that, like, the most recent suit they added was, like, from Spider-Man Homecoming and Far From Home. So you got to wear the Far From Home suit as well. And there's some where you had to, like, do certain things to get the suit, so it, like, it gave you the whole, you know... Motivation, my goals to say, hey, I want to lock this special suit. I need to do this, get this stats off. So they got stats written down by like moves and everything for health and everything. And of course, you know, and the combos and stuff. So it's like certain button pressing and the reactions have the spider sense and the swept swinging was really good. So definitely, guys, I do definitely do recommend Spider Marvel Spider Man on PlayStation 4. I'll be cool. You want to talk about? I know you're a big Spider Man fan, so. Um. <clears throat> Yes, I haven't ran across a Spider-Man game to where it made me want to go and buy a system just for that particular game, and this one was one of them. Um, I think what helped me really want, really got excited for this game, and I still haven't played it because I'm on PlayStation, but I figured I'd just wait because I'd like to admire it from afar. But what I like is that it kind of made the whole Tom Holland going into the Spider-Man role even stronger and stronger and I think it made not that I didn't have a problem with him already but it, as Spider-Man but what I really enjoyed is that it just solidified the character for me even more and him as an actor and the game itself is incredible it just looks incredible um, and like you had mentioned earlier the Spider-Man 2 game because I, I played the movie games and those were fun too uh, and we got Tobey Maguire in there but like this one, uh, I think, set the stage to where I haven't, I haven't had that familiar feeling of wanting to get a system just for one game only. I've only had that for maybe uh, the Switch, and that was when they announced Smash Brothers, a new Smash Brothers. That's the only time I've ever got excited, and then Spider-Man made me... Spider-Man, the game, that game made me regret not going to PlayStation after 360. That's what... Going to PS4. That fucked me over, I think, in my head. Uh, Cause I didn't know I didn't think they're gonna make a fucking Spider-Man game. No, I think it was like it was like like I just heard rumors yeah. that Spider-Man was gonna develop a new property, and we just didn't know. Eventually, it became Spider-Man. So it was like when we saw the launch trailer. When I saw the launch trailer, I was like, "Holy shnikes, You know, we're gonna have another Spider-Man game like for the first time for the second generation. So I was like, for the current generation. So it was like. People got excited. I got excited for it because I had to play a Spider-Man game. Like I said, the last Spider-Man game I played before that was Spider-Man 2 on the Xbox. Xbox, the original Xbox. So I didn't play like the other movies like the Amazing Spider-Man game or Spider-Man 3. So I didn't play those other games. Mm-hmm. Because I would say Spider-Man 2 kind of topped all of them when it comes to like exploration and stuff. So like I said, with this one, because it was Spider-Man PlayStation, it's like... You get to explore all of New York in different neighborhoods. I like how the map layout and everything. And it's kind of cool because J. Joe Jameson's got a podcast. So every time you hear a thing with J. Joe Jameson, and he's ranting about Spider-Man stuff. And there's, there's some Easter eggs they put in there. Like, of course, the Avengers Tower, the, the Wakandan Embassy. Um, the They have one where the, 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 the fire station that's inspired by Ghostbusters. 
where the fire station is. What's kind of cool is if you go into the building, on the side of the building is a graffiti picture of a ghost. So it kind of gives like a nod to the Ghostbusters. So it's like, and of course you got the Avengers Tower, Central Park. It's got different locations you can go by. And you get to go through Times Square, so which is awesome. You go by the Daily Bugle building. And like I said, it's just the focus. You're not playing a Spider-Man. Under some instances, like I said, you will get shipped to the Mary Jane stealth missions. Or one time you're Miles Morales, and you got to do a stealth mission with him as well. And that was kind of cool how they added him to the mix as well. You get to see a little bit of his origin story as well. But like I said, it also, too, explored different characters like as antagonists. Like Mr. Negative was an antagonist, which is really good. Then you had... um. Was it uh, Mysterio as well? Mysterio so, as well, yeah. And then, like I said, yeah, other villains, you know, mess with them. Like, you didn't have, like, you know, Venom or Carnage or nothing like that. Which is kind of like for the fact that you get other, you know, people involved. And then you got Doc Ock as well. It's like, you know, he's a really good villain. And I kind of like for the fact that the whole emotional connection with Peter. Because, you know, Doc Ock was, you know, his mentor. He was, he worked for them. And he was developing the arms as a way to help, you know... People like who fought in war, which I kind of like the story because the story was more like a modernist take on Spider Man. It was not like they went back to the origins, but it was more of an upper updated take on Spider Man. But honestly, what kind of helped that game also was, of course, you know, the Spider Man being introduced in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as well. They kind of helped it as well. Because it got more people excited, and of course, adding like you know, the, the movie suits from the two films, and of course, adding the Sam Raimi suit, which was kind of you know, there was a tease going on on Twitter saying, Hey, we're well, gonna have that suit, and finally, you know, the Simon X games for keeping it under wraps to the point eventually they added the suit on there as a free DLC, so that was kind of cool. Well, well, I can see that's why I put it at the top 10. All right, let's go to number nine, Parappa the Rapper. <laughs> What can I say about Rapping Rapper by Rapping Dog, man? It was one of those games where it was all about timing. It, it tested you out. The music was funny. The lyrics were hilarious. But it was the whole, like, paper-esque. The graphics were, like, you know, they were 2D to the extreme. But it was more about timing. It was it tested, like, your reaction skills, like, your reflexes. Like, tighten the button pressing, you know, at certain periods of the time you had to match it. But it got to the point they even remastered it for the PlayStation 4. But that was, I remember the, the demo for it up after the rapper on the PlayStation was the whole uh, kick punch, it's all in the mind. That one with the onion. <laughs> if you mess up, you know, it it, rated, you know, it gave like a rating scale of a good, awful, or bad. And if you don't pass to the song, it, the audience will boo you and stuff. So, I mean, what's your memories of a rapper? I remember seeing in the demo, uh, it was very peculiar, peculiar when I first saw it out uh i was fairly a kid too so i didn't i didn't play it it didn't the colors and the way it looked got i gravitated towards but since i didn't have a playstation i didn't play it but my friend had it um and i because i know it came out on the demo disc as well but uh it was funny because it was just like you this it, it seemed like it was a show that could have easily been a cartoon show mm -hmm. but i think it just didn't garner anybody's attention to put money into it that they just decided you know what let's make this into a video game instead and you're just rapping dog and like hip-hop hip-hop has always been around but like <clears throat> in a video game with that version let alone it's a, a rapping dog it's just like it's very strange it's just it's such a strange ass game but it was good because it was part of one of those like musical type of games too, you know, it, like taught you tempo and rhythm. And if you weren't into hip hop at that time or it wasn't around your what you were exposed to, it's a it's a weird ass way to get into hip hop. But it's a way, of course. And I don't know. I didn't play it. It's one of those things that were 
popular for some reason. And it's like cult, cult favorite in a sense. Um, I have nothing bad against it. It's just such a weird game that like to get. I don't know. It's it's more nostalgic than to where I would want to replay it again. I don't know. I've watched like YouTube videos on it, but I don't think I'd ever play it. Hey, uh, number eight, GTA. Ah, oh, fuck. Yeah. What can we say about GTA? Yeah, it came out. I think it came out on PC first, mm-hmm. and then it got ported to the PlayStation. Um. I would say a volume. I would say GTA Five would be the best one because even though now it's on Xbox, but think about it, like the besides PC, the only other home console besides the place PC was PlayStation had GTA, and you know GTA, you know it got to the point it expanded on the PSP platform like Vice City Stories and all that stuff, and then expanded to many friend like sequels and like different takes on the series, and then when Xbox Xbox San Andreas, you know. Became the infamous series because of the whole hot coffee mod and everything, and then you know, and then of course right now the best one I can think of all of them I played was GTA Five. I mean, if you played on because I have it on PS4, but I played it on 360. But I mean, I would say the buttons kind of close like better with the with the PS4. But I mean, I remember playing Grand Theft Auto Three on the PlayStation, you know, because uh, Uncle Sal had it. Mm. So you had Grand Theft Auto 3 on PS2. So I would say that's why I have it at number 8. So, I mean, right now people are still playing GTA 5 because of the online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rockstar is to the point like, like, we don't need to make... like I know they're going to develop a, a sequel, but for next gen. But people are still playing the online because they're what's cool about Rockstar, they're making games based on the microtransactions and, of course, the expansions. And plus, you're playing with your buddies. You get to do this stuff on GTA, but to the point, like, this game kind of transcends you, even the PC one, to the point they actually expand to role-playing yeah. groups. Like, you can do role-playing, because right now, with, you know, with COVID-19 right now, it's like, you, at least you can do, like, you know, LARPing, but in GTA. Because I've seen videos like this one YouTuber follow Jeff Fabiano. He and a couple of buddies started this whole role-playing server called CRP, but they used the GTA 5. And they play roles. Like, some are police, some are workers, you know, and you play roles and stuff. And it's kind of cool. I definitely watched some of his videos, and like I said, it's to the point that it expands beyond, you know, just doing the heist and stuff. It expands to the point of role-playing as well. So, I would say, yeah, that's why it's, I have it at number eight. So, what do you think of the Grabdown Down Files series in general? Um, I didn't play it until part three, but for what it's worth, yeah, it should be on there. Because even the top download was fun as shit to watch. Um, our cousin had it. I know a cousin of ours had it, uh, but I saw him play part two, and then I played. They part threes when they went to the whole they like went, third person. They went third. They went third person three, because mm-hmm. the other one just top down. That was like top down, yeah. Bird's eye view, and you're just driving, and it was. I mean, because that was based on the technology they had at the time, and since it was PC, it, w- it was better to control with the mouse, um, which obviously, if you're a PC gamer right now these days, it tends to uh, it, it tends to go to preference. Um, but there are games that have advantages when you play on a PC. And I think for the first GTA, that was one of them. Uh, and it was just something never seen before here. Literally, you can do whatever you want. Uh, well, on the third one, you could. But, like, the first one, you're just running around taking cars, shooting a bunch of people, you little blood splatters. Like, it was... You, I think three. Was, you could never do that before in a game. Uh, it just... it the, 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 the subject matter, just everything about it didn't... It was so vague, but decent enough so anybody can get into it, and you can, like, 
You live out your weirdest. And I think three was the one they introduced like a narrative. It, yeah, it brought a story mind into it. It, it. it made it more relatable in a sense that like it took different cliches of in the cities. Um, but it had missions, but you're kind of like rogue at the same time. Did it? I think Rockstar when they did good was that they don't bog it down too much mm-hmm. because there's essentially. I mean, Rockstar is soft satire. It's all their games. They take all their time to really to really give us a world that is very reflective of ours in a video game. So it, I think that that's why it's still going because it's you. Anything you can do in there, it's not too different than what you... Eh, well, it's a lot different than what you can do in, in real life, but a lot of people have fun living through it. And now, like you mentioned, with microtransactions kind of believe what you will. It could it could be a, a driver for a driving force, or it could be a, a negative thing in, in gaming industry, but it's Grand Theft Auto V still holding on strong. It still plays well. The new heists are fun. Like... It couldn't be any better. Um, but yeah, GTA is always going to be on that list. All right, number seven, The Last of Us. That's you. That's going to be all me, guys. Um, That was one of the first games I played on PlayStation 4. I know it was on PS3, but when I bought the PlayStation 4, um, it came with the remastered version of The Last of Us. Um, Oh, my God. It's a really good series. It, it made me cry because it's mm-hmm. like... It took a concept, it was like a game, but it's like, it was also, it was by Naughty Dog as well, who worked on Uncharted, and let's, uh, I'll get to that too, um, but, you know, it's a survivor, I was like, almost like, not a horror, but more like a thriller kind of, because it's like, this time it's caused by like a, a virus, it's a contagion that it causes this whole panic, and it's all about the story of a survival, and supposedly, um, Joe and Ellie, it's about Joe and Ellie, you know, the teamwork they have to go through, and it's crazy because it's almost a survivor because you got to get certain things to build certain weapons. You got to, you know, grab healing items. And then, of course, they tell you and the, and the girl Ellie, you're with her sometimes and you got to help her get through somewhere. Because apparently she, her blood is the key for this contagion effort. And it gets to the point that, yeah, you're in an isolated... What's cool about this game is you start in an isolated city that's been on lockdown and stuff. So it's like... And then you got to watch out for the clickers, which are like this weird fungus. This virus has grown from a fungus. It, it it sets spores and it affected people and it's like you gotta go through that to eventually get to the open field and then um basically you got how all these renegade groups are trying to you know it gets to the whole like primal ask you know mentality where survival of the fittest and Joel's mission is to take Ellie to to this place out west that supposedly they're gonna her blood is the key to develop a vaccine or for this contagion and. And now we're seeing the sequel, but kind of, you know, the sequel, I've seen the trailers for the sequel as well. The music was great too. I mean, you can play, I watched gameplay videos of it because I played it, but I watched gameplay to see how other people play the game, just to see their perspective on it and see what their take on it is. A lot of people love it. Yeah, the story was really great. And then part two, unfortunately, is on delayed indefinitely right now due to, you know, COVID-19 right now, but... Something, guys, if you have PlayStation 4, definitely pick up Last of Us. It's to the point they are going to develop a series. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm it's going to develop a TV series, which I'm looking forward to and see how they do it. I mean, I mean, having um, Ashley Johnson and Troy Baker as the main character, main voice actors, it was kind of cool. Is because they actually did the mocap work for the characters as well. Because what, uh, what um, uh, now now did is they got the actual voice actors for the characters reenact like enact the scenes, and he took those concepts of the scenes, and you know they use like the you know, the whole. Um, you had to wear the mocap suits and everything. You just get the fluidity of movement between the characters and the interaction. So it was kind of cool as well. 
But definitely, definitely a game I do recommend you guys. The Last of Us is really good. Okay, number six. Final Fantasy VII. Hmm. Now, I'm not talking about the remake right now because I want to get the remake, but I'm going to wait till it goes down in price because it's only one part. Talk about the one that was on PlayStation. The original, the OG. The one that's on three discs. Because if you had the PlayStation, it was so massive, you had the three discs. I mean, I never got to play it before personally, but I got the one... They decided to release the PC version on the PS4 store. They get the PC version of Final Fantasy VII, but... Uncle Sal has the original Final Fantasy VII on PlayStation with the three discs. And when he played it, he said like that, that game was long. It's a long game. But honestly, when it comes to Final Fantasy, that's the first thing people think about it, Final Fantasy VII. Because even though there's been so many Final Fantasies, now it, Final Fantasy VII is the one that gets the most notoriety because it was like the first game... That Squaresoft did after their after they ended their relationship with Nintendo. Because remember, the first Final Fantasy games were released on Nintendo consoles. They were released on the Famicom. They were released on the Super Famicom. So this was the first game they decided to release on Sony. They decided to go with Sony, and then Final Fantasy ended up being more of a Sony exclusive. Up to the point when they started, you know, doing the the spinoff series like Tactics and everything. And then they, you know, eventually spin off to, like, the, the Game Boy Advance or, the D, or DS. Because they did, like, remakes of the originals for the DS and stuff. Um, and then, of course, they did Crystal Tactics for GameCube. But beginnings, both Final Fantasy VII up to the point 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11 were originally PlayStation exclusive only. And 12 were only PlayStation exclusive. Until Final Fantasy XIII, they expanded to the 360 and PS3. But... Overall, Final Fantasy VII, I mean, you know, the story of Cloud Strife and, you know, Aerith. Um, you know, her and, you know, Sephiroth. I mean, his theme is always recognized. I would tell you, you hear that theme. It's the Sephiroth theme. It's like, when we get Angel is the name of the song. It's Sephiroth. Or, like, you hear that, people are thinking, oh, man, it's Final Fantasy. It's like the first thing that comes to your mind, they hear that noise. Because that's the the, the, the battle-winning thing, Overture, overture um, theme. Um, and to the point, it's like, even to the point, those characters got used in Kingdom Hearts series as well because they were proper Square Enix characters. Um, and then, of course, the film, Advent Children, which became the sequel oh, to Final Fantasy VII, which is the sequel to the actual game, which, too, was Sony, you know, they tried, you know, they tried with the first Final Fantasy film, didn't do as well. It was one of the flops where Sony decided to get away from it because they wanted to expand to something else. And then they decided, you know what, let's go back. I think when they, when they did Kingdom Hearts, they said, you know what, let's do, fun, let's do Adventure. And I got the director's kind of Blu-ray, but it was a good sequel. You got to see all the characters from the game. It takes place immediately after um, Final Fantasy VII. But what's kind of cool was that movie came with like a digest version of Final Fantasy VII. So you got to see the cutscenes and a little quick through of it. Well, yeah, it was a core cool RPG. It was a traditional JRPG. And it was crazy because it had full render backgrounds. It was one of the first games with full render backgrounds. And, of course, full motion video on certain cutscenes. Yeah, the polygons, you know, the overworld polygons were, you know, chibi style. But once you go into the battle sequences, yeah, you get the full 3D model characters. But overall, it was, I can see why, because they had expanded the 3D discs, which is a long game. Yeah. And, of course, right now we're going to see with Final Fantasy Remake. They said this is only the first part. It's only going to cover Midgar. So it's part one of a whole series. So... I don't know, Biko, if you have anything to say about Final Fantasy VII? No, um, never got into it. Uh, fan, RPG games are very hit or miss for me. Uh, and Final Fantasy, I never really got into the playing style of it. Uh, it was just not a game 
that I was ever really drawn to, and I didn't know a lot of people that I that were in my circle of friends that were even playing it. Uh, and I think it's only, and, and it may have been just because I got into the PlayStation game a lot later, since like by the time I got it, uh, we were in the year two thousand or so. So Dreamcast was kind of phasing out. Xbox was the hottest new thing to hit the market. Uh, and I had the N64, that was my shit. I didn't stem away too much with the play PlayStation. We didn't have a lot of games either, so that might have limited... Um, I think it limited our play when it came to shit like that. Everything was all gradual, uh, but Final Fantasy was more or less you you were into all that. Cause it, I think it's like if you were into anime, Final Fantasy was an easy given that you were going to be involved <laughs> with stuff like that just because you knew... Uh, it had a lot of, uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? It had a lot of things in anime that you would see in Final Like a lot of, uh, I guess you call them tropes or characteristics, we'll see. Uh, and, I mean, all the RPG-style RPG, RPG style games were on PC, too. Mm -hmm. So a lot of that was, I think it, the Final Fantasy did a good job with kind of opening up that, that realm of, blank, of uh, game playing. Because role-playing thing was all too, like, more or less so reserved to tabletop gaming and stuff. Mm. So it was like all those elements were brought on to be into a computer. Or into a PlayStation home console thing. Uh, but for what I know, I don't know. I wish... I I don't know. It's nice to see that they're still remaking it. But I've never... I don't know. I never really got into it. Okay. Um, number five. MLB The Show. MLB The Show. Um, honestly, I had to put a sports game out because, I mean, that's the one thing to get a PlayStation decision was and will be the show. Because remember, Sony's the one that won the rights to develop a play, uh, exclusivity deal. Yeah, man, because there were titles like MVP Baseball by EA Sports. Um, 2K had their own baseball game as well. But the show kind of ultra up all of them because it had the ability where... You, what I liked about it, it had the whole... Kind of almost a role-playing aspect of it because you guys could develop your prospect... And get through the whole levels of minor league baseball. Basically develop your, your your player. And then eventually get called up to the majors. Which I like. And then what's cool about it is every year. They had, yeah, they, they gets a little a graphic update. gets a roster update. But at the same time. You can take your character. And bring them on to the next season. Mm. So you can carry your character over year after year after year. So you get to develop your character year after year i think right now i have most of the show i missing the only one i'm missing is last um 2018 so i need to get that but when i got when i came over when i got the ps4 i got the show right away i'll be the show I believe it's 15 i'm getting that one and um and pretty much i started that and I, I got 16 i got 17 then i still need to get 18 but i got 19 for free from playstation plus then of course 20s came out and it has hobby bias from the cubs but what I call what they added for this year for the show this year was the whole role playing aspect of it. Your player gets to make decisions. Mm. But it's for people that love baseball because they got the whole fantasy mode where you can you collect cards to have you all set up your own fantasy team, so you can play out against other people and do fantasy seasons. But the game, you got the whole game, baseball dynamic if you're into a big baseball fan. But definitely something if you're into sports, I definitely go with the show. But it's more of a Sony exclusive thing. Yeah, there's RBI Baseball now. They released RBI Baseball, which is more like an archaic-style um, baseball game. But if you want like the true role-playing ask of it, I'll go with the show. Anything to say? Um, <clears throat> no, I mean, I know it's been a popular title in the, in the PlayStation realm uh, for years now. 
And I think uh, from a presentation standpoint, it's very excellent. Uh, and like you mentioned, that the fact that you can kind of carry this player throughout this whole iteration of its career with RPG style elements of, of like design characteristics for each of your players, it's kind of cool considering that baseball is kind of boring in nature. That's to me it is, I, I'm just saying. But uh, I think what else helped its success too, not saying it's thr- it takes away from its quality for a game because it is really good to play like as far as a base a sports game goes it's very good i think it helped them too with the advantage of buying the, the exclusive rights like madden does with football mm-hmm. it's like that helps them because then it takes away competition because there's no comp- competitive baseball games outside of the playstation that isn't something you can find as a knockoff on your phone mm-hmm. um and for fans of baseball you know you get to see the most updated teams of the sport uh play and 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 then adding that this the career mode for that, which is their main driver, I think that helps, right? Is the career mode is excellently done that it gives you that replay value that a lot of sports games do not have or have lacking if you outside of a competitive play mm-hmm. or outside. Um, and if it's just single player play, I think that's where MLB the show stands out, and it's still going. I mean, they still hold the rights and. Oh, not to... right, because I heard next year now the show could be expanded to other consoles. The, which they should, because I think that sucks that they were only on on PlayStation, considering that, um, at least for, I mean, I have friends who've, who've had both systems, and they, they I know people who bought MLB, the show, and bought, the, and bought their system just for that game. So it's like, if, especially if you're a big sports gamer, I mean, there's a whole collection, so... Um, I think them expanding to other systems only to make it better. Uh, I, I mean, if they do that, I wouldn't mind picking up a baseball game. Fuck it. It's something new. Um, and and it's, I don't know, basically, I think baseball is one of those things that it's funner to play in a bit, uh, funner. It's more fun to play in a video game baseball than it is in real life. But that's just my opinion. Um, but yeah, being on there, I think it should be as far as the PlayStation title because it's, it's still going strong. Hmm. All right, number four, the Metal Gear series. Metal Gear Solid? Um, yeah, Jesus Christ. Yeah, they fucking... Metal Gear Solid, Hideo Kojima doesn't get, like, he... This is the thing that gave him that platform that he, that he gets to sit on, albeit that uh, Konami uh, has this opinion of him, which I, you know, it is what it is, but fuck. Leave it to him to not have such a compelling character transcend not only uh, Sony standards... But go into other games, um, and then as long as far as other Easter eggs, just Metal Gear Solid is a property. I'm very surprised this isn't a movie yet. Uh, I think it would make a cool ass movie if they did it. Um, I can think of a couple people who would be awesome if they did it. Uh, it's it gives me Resident Evil feels too, but just with like a mercenary type of rogue soldier. And the whole thing about stealth, kind of like yeah, like the game. The gameplay is in its own league in itself. Uh, at that time too, because we didn't have a lot of games to where you kind of just rush in, like you're you're rushing guns. You with. are leading the narrative, and at this one, your stealth. Yeah, use the stealth in the environment to your advantage. Yeah, you. I mean, you're you are a. You are a secret special ops, like, spy soldier type of deal. So, trying to go against a big corporation that's developing these high-tech weapons to, you know, oppress uh, other worlds. So, like, to be Solid Snake and to have a very mysterious character 
get developed later in, in its incarnations to where we even got a, a mobile uh, iOS game out of it. And it's from its humble last beginnings from Nintendo. Like, Metal Gear Solid has been around for a long time. Um, but I think being on PlayStation was what really gave it the nice paint job, the nice type, the, the whole pioneering type of gameplay that it had. Um, it just fucking bothers me. This isn't a movie. I'm very surprised. This guy's giving us gold. Like, it, it, it's not a lot of times that a, a video game cr uh, idea creator guy, co developer, had has made titles to where it, it, it could it could work as a TV series or other movie. realms of entertainment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like if the story's there, if, albeit it's you know pretty general. It's not out of the ordinary type of storytelling, but. It's a compelling character. Uh, it, it gives you everything you can think of. Uh, rivaling government, secret op, uh, fucking organizations, a, a, a charismatic, a charismatic, very like soft, like sh hardly ever speaks. Doesn't really go against his orders too much. Um, type of soldier that like. As the story unravels, you learn a little bit about. It. He's like the, our first little army John Wick that we got. Mm -hmm. As if like we, as, as as if we saw John Wick in the army or some shit. Like this is his beginnings, or like if you haven't seen Jack Ryan, fucking like it, it's it. That's what I'm saying. Like the character itself is not. It's too not. It's not out of the ordinary, um, but the the game itself is still individual and creative enough to where like. We have him in a Smash Bros. game. I never fucking would have thought that I got to fight with Mario against Solid Snake. It's fucking <laughs> hilarious. Or Solid Snake against Sonic. So, like, it's... And he plays good on Smash Bros. I actually like him as a character. All right. Um, but, yeah, Metal Gear Solid is a, definitely a pickup. All right. Number three, Horizon Zero Dawn. Which, honestly... Yeah, I'll probably know more about this one. That's on, it's on PlayStation 4 right now. Horizon Dawn, basically... The, let me give you a brief premise yeah, of it. Basically, the whole world... Something happens and the whole world gets terraformed. Like nature is taken over up to the point that people have reverted back to, you know, the primal type mentality. Um, pretty oh. much they develop these anim the this AI, these robotics, but probably to the point that the now most of the wildlife it's like it's like this all the wildlife has like evolved to like these robots. So basically all the animal life are basically robots. Oh, and people are trying to survive you know, environment. You play this girl named Aloy, who's fascinated by the old culture, and it's, the game's all about teaching you um, exploration, um, stealth, and hunting. Um, you get to unlock different abilities, do different missions. Um, and the story's really good. Like she's trying to prove that she can. She's trying to become the first warrior from her tribe. You know, to you know make a name for herself. And, and I mean, I played a little bit of it. I could. I, that's something I need to get back into, and it's really good. Was it? You get certain abilities where you can learn how to track your prey and hunt these robot animal hybrids and it's really good you get to level all these weapons you can do arrows you can do spears you can you can collect stuff it's all about collecting resources as well to build weapons but at the same time increase like your stats and everything but it's a really good narrative really good gameplay definitely guys recommend it for it's on playstation 4 i believe right now you get the greatest hits you get the whole series you get the dlc included as well um uh, beagle has anything because it's more of a playstation-esque yeah no i've never heard of this game um, yeah. All right, number two, Uncharted, the Uncharted series. Um, what can I say about Uncharted? I mean, I play, I have the whole series. I have the collection they remastered for the PlayStation Four, and I got Uncharted Four, which to me, honestly, is the best one of all of them. 
based on story and gameplay elements of it. Um, Nathan Drake, to me, is one of the... Because honestly, when the PlayStation 3 came out, he became one of the de facto mascots for PlayStation 3. Because he was featured a lot in commercials. I mean, he had Nolan North, great voice actor. He's done a lot of video game voiceover work. He's the voiceover of Deadpool in the Deadpool video game, another series I do recommend. Um, but him, as Nathan Drake, was really great to the point that series is about exploration, you know, using the environment, because it was like a platformer. And also a puzzle because you have to you have to solve stuff and yeah there's some stuff elements as well and some gunplay but I like too what kind of like drew me to more of that was the 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 series like the mythology of it because he's an explorer but he's an explorer for hire and he, he's fascinated by this diary all started about this diary about this treasure of uh, um, Sir um, Sir Drake who left this treasure behind gets the whole it expands onto all these locations these locales. Like it, like it, like to point there in Nepal or they're like in like somewhere in the Amazon. I mean, the environments were fantastic. Like the characters are great. Like it's to the point that I'm excited that they're gonna make a movie of it. They're gonna have Tom Holland star as a young version of Nathan Drake, and we'll see how that goes. I know that's in development right now, but Uncharted Four to me, you know, Thieves Lent was really good as well because people were like, the way with the marketing was it was supposed to be the last one. It was the last adventure for Nathan Drake. But it was the best one because they had, and they had Detroit Baker in there to play his brother that he grew up like in the orphans with. So it's like they have him, they have Troy Baker and Nolan North, who to me are the top voice actors when it comes to voiceover work to betray these characters. And then the cool thing was, same thing, Naughty Dog. They did the actors did bowl cap work, they mocap work for it, and then did the voices as well for the for the cutscenes in certain scenarios. They're in their money. So it, it honestly, guys, that's why I have it at the top two and number two because it, it's a great series. Definitely recommend it because, of course, you get with these diary entries, you get to learn a little bit about history because it's like an alternate take on history. You get to, and then and the whole series in general is really good. Like the story development and everything is really great. So definitely recommend Uncharted the series. That's why I have it at number two because there's, there's four games, but it's really good. And then number one, I would say of all of these top twenty five. I would say to me, in my opinion, this is the number one game. I'm currently playing it right now. Persona 5 Royale. And the reason why I picked this number one is because I never heard of Persona. Uh, Persona was a spinoff of Shin Migensu Tensai, which was for the PlayStation in the early days, PlayStation 2. But it was more in Japan, and then it went to Portable, so I never got to Persona. Because over here in the West, it didn't get too much here in the West too much. It was more either a Japanese exclusive, it was a region lock exclusive. But it ended up being more of a PSP Portable exclusive. Because even the Persona 3, there was on Portable. Even Persona 4 was on Portable. The characters come out in Smash Brothers. And the character, it gets to the point that those characters are recognizable because it's by Atlas Studios. They're the ones who developed it until Sega bought Atlas. So, so they're under the Sega umbrella, but honestly... It's fascinating. The story's fascinating because it's the whole thing about having a different side of you inside of you, like personas, like a, like a reflection of your true self. And you get taken. It's like a it's like a dungeon crawler. I mean, each persona is a different like theming. And what I like about this too, they add like a little bit of social elements because right now, what I'm playing right now, the way it's breaking down is you have certain time where you have to do this task. You can, you can go in the dungeon and explore, but at the same time, your time is limited. So you have these confidants where you, you try to do, like, social activities together and try to raise their stats up because they kind of help you out at the end. And it's RPG, so it's the turn-based element. And then, like I said, I have the first Persona 5 on PlayStation 4, but I'm right now I'm playing Royal, which basically what Atlas did was 
It came out in October last year, but basically what they did is they added more narrative. They added another character to expand. Instead of doing like a standalone DLC, let's go back. We fixed the game. Add new elements, change the gameplay a little bit. Tweak it a little bit. Give it a new look. Give it a fresh look. look so if you have a PlayStation Pro, maybe PS4 Pro, take advantage of the, um, of the 4K graphics uh, look. And, I mean, add this character, Kasumi Yoshisawa, which to me, um, right now, I just raised up her confidence level to 5. She's her 5 max, but I think if you raise up your confidence, you get to unlock another semester, and you get to go with another palace. And here, they call palaces, but it's all about their stuff elements. Um, there's, you know, there's persona raising, because your character can uh, wield different personas, but each persona has their own, like, abilities, resistances, and certain powers. But the story was really great. I like the social aspect of it, because, um... Like, say you get to interact with the other characters, um, you can go hang out at a pool hall, or I like, could play darts, or hang out at the movie theater. So it's like that little social aspect, but you get to learn more about the, it's all about character development. I guess you know, like this series is really popular and synonymous with PlayStation, because it's only on PlayStation, but now you can see the character Joker on Smash Brothers right now, because he's, he's the main representative for it. Um, yeah. The point that they're going to... Um, it's pretty good. Like, Koi Tecmo... Um, the people who did the Dynasty Warriors is, are making a Persona game as well. They're, they're collaborating with Atlas to make a Persona 5 The Strikers, which is going to be a sequel to Persona 5. But it's more like, kind of like the hack and slash, the first ever hack and slash thing for Persona. And to the point, the Persona series actually expands beyond not just, you know, JRPG. They have the dancing element as well, where it's the whole timing and with the buttons and the music and stuff. But honestly, it's a series that honestly I do recommend. That's why I got it as number one. But if you're a big JRPG fan, definitely recommend Persona 5 Royale. Or any of the Persona series. If you're lucky, we're able to get the Persona series games on PC or PlayStation Portable or Vita or PS3. So definitely. And any response to the anime as well. And they even had the same animation studio that they made cutscenes to do the actual animation. And they actually got the Japanese voice actors who are the Japanese voice actors for the game, replies their roles for the, the anime itself. So it's like something that's marketed a lot. Even got the manga out right now. A manga adaptation of Persona 5. So I'm looking forward to, to read that and see how they do it. Um, but definitely, that's that's my number one. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know if you, if you had an idea what would be your number one PlayStation game. In your opinion? I don't know if I have a number 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 one. I, mine would have probably been uh, mine probably would have been Crash. Honestly. For me, just because like I really enjoyed it. I played that the most on PlayStation, uh, and it was just it's replayable. It's a fun adventure game. That one and maybe uh, uh, Dinosaur was just fun too on PlayStation. But like Crash for me had to be number one. Uh, because it was so big at its time. I enjoyed playing the remastered version of it. And then considering that it only had a couple of games and the spin-off titles. But all, each game was fun. Like, it, it, there's not... Even the third one. It, just all of it was good. I, I wish we would get a whole new... A whole new Crash game. That'd be fucking awesome. Uh, make it, Give him an open world. A whole open world to explore that his other contemporary competitors got a chance to with their own developments but hopefully Naughty Dog it made me follow Naughty Dog really because even with the Uncharted games they they make them excellent and then you get to play Crash in there too as a little easter egg so it's just like they are just good at what they fucking do and and, and 
I never played the Uncharted games. I've only seen people play them, and all the all the editorials they've done on the game. And if I would not be surprised if they make it into a movie either. Like those, that would be a good movie. Fuck, make Crash Bandicoot into a movie for the kids, man. Yeah, yeah, so I made a movie like I made a film. It was so quirky, even at those times, and he didn't have to say much. Uh, but it that I think Crash um, as a mascot for the, the the system, and then passing that torch to Nathan Drake, and albeit they're so, they're on the same team, which is nice. But like, fuck. It, Naughty Dog is, is my favorite out of the PlayStation days in general, but I think Crash for me is my number one uh, game to come out of the PlayStation era. Alrighty, so that does it for this week. Um, like I said, every week we're gonna do a top twenty-five. I think the next one we have because it was a suggestion. Um, next one we're gonna tackle for next week is gonna be the top twenty-five Rick and Morty episodes. I mean, we got. Three seasons and a half of Rick and Morty, and of course, on um, part two of season four will be out later next month. Hopefully, so we have enough to do a top twenty-five. I mean, with the episode, we got about thirty-five episodes basically right now because each episode, each season was like ten episodes. Mm-hmm. So we have thirty episodes to choose right now. We have thirty-five episodes to choose the top twenty-five out of those thirty-five right now. So we'll see. We'll go. We're gonna have to go back and we watch Rick and Morty just to pick out the ones that we feel will make the list. So, like I said, if you guys have any more suggestions for any top 25 um, topics of pop culture that you want us to give our opinions on who we rank, uh, make sure to go to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash pop. You can post it on there. We'll vote on it. If we decide, hey, yours is the best one, we'll feature on the next future episode of Talking Pop. Um, if you have any other topics or suggestions or any questions to ask us, same thing. Go on the Facebook page. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at the franchise eighty five. Um, you can listen to this podcast not only on Anchor, which are our sponsor, but you can listen on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and first wherever you get your podcast fixed. Uh, we do have a store. It's teespring.com. Look for Talk and Pop. We got shirts. Um, we, I am going to work on preliminary designs for new shirts. Right now, we do offer just a Pops or Not logo shirt. But I am possibly going to work on a Beagle shirt and a franchise shirt. So you guys have a separate one of each of us. Um, we have tank tops right now when it gets warmer. We got coffee mugs. We got covers for your phones. We got decals. So definitely check it out. Support the podcast. Um, don't forget to uh, follow the podcast on Anchor. You can actually donate to to the podcast on Anchor as well. Um, other than that, stay safe. Wash your hands. As always, geek on and take care.